everyone, it's David Wood, one of the pastors at CA Church, and we are at Surrey Center Cemetery. It's hard to say um, right now. And uh, I know this is going to sound strange, but I am one of those guys that actually enjoy spending time at cemeteries. Uh, if you ask my kids when we visited Boston, when we went to England, the places we like to go to or the places that daddy liked to go to was a cemetery. And so why do I like cemeteries? Well, I think for one reason, it's, it's a reminder. It's a good reminder of our own mortality. It's a reminder. It reminds me that, uh, that the mortality rate in this world is still 100%. Uh, none of us are going to get out of here alive. Um, but also, it reminds us what the psalmist teaches us uh, to number our days because the days that we have are brief. And this has been brought to my attention in a number of ways. I mean, at this uh, cemetery, I visited the, uh, the gravesite of uh, my father-in-law, Matt Kanoshta, and, uh, and uh, so Karen, my wife's Karen, her family has, uh, was buried here. And, um, and also just reminder, in, in recent months since COVID, there's been a number of people even in our own community that have passed away. I think of guys like Don Rosner or um, Paul Peters, uh, um, uh, Goodman uh, Lindbergh, and, and recently our, our very own uh, Dr. Manny Marcos uh, have all passed away. And it's a reminder that to number our days because we don't know how many days that we have. And... Um, and it is strange because even though death is one of the guarantees of life, it's not easy to prepare for. It's not easy at all. In fact, whenever we experience death, um, it always doesn't seem right. It always throws us off. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. Um, but one of the things is in the face of death, it's easy for you and I to grow afraid. Uh, and it's easy to despair. And with the pandemic and the number of deaths that have been going on, it's easy to feel afraid. And so what I wanted to do is just lay out a couple ways that uh, we can be encouraged if we're feeling discouraged. Uh, one of the passages that comes to mind um, is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where Paul writes these words. He says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Then we will be with God forever. We will be with the Lord forever. And Paul says this, he says, so encourage each other with these words. So what do we do when we're feeling afraid and discouraged? Well, Paul says this is how you're to encourage one another. We're to re encourage one another that our ultimate hope is, uh, is not in a vaccine, it's not in a political party, it's not in an election, but our, our hope comes when we remind each other of the truth of Jesus Christ. And it's the, in the person, the work of Jesus Christ that uh, you and I are brought into what the psalmist calls a, a spacious place. It's a, it's a place where we can get our heads around what life is all about. But here's the thing, it's also a place, a spacious place, where we can get our heads around, get our hearts around what death is all about. And there's a lot of death happening in our world. Um, 
And so that's why I think this passage is encouraging, but there's also another passage that I want to linger on a little bit more because I think it's going to help us, uh, especially if you're feeling discouraged today. And it's found in uh, the book of John, which is a story of Jesus, one of the Gospels. Um, and it's in John chapter 11. So if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 11. It's a story of a, a fellow named Lazarus. So John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, uh, we read these words. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, one of the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there for two more days. Then he said to the, his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you and, and yet you're going to go back? Jesus said, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. The disciples replied, well, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. <laughs> I love the disciples. Uh, Jesus, had, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. <laughs> so Jesus tells them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. Only let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of the brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know now that even now, I know even now God will give whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. Jesus, this is your word and this is your story. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know about you, but this story I've always found a bit strange. It's a bit strange because, for starters, we're told that Jesus, he was very close to, uh, to Martha, uh, he's close to Mary, and he's close to Lazarus. Lazarus was a good friend. But we hear um, that when, when Jesus gets word that his good friend Lazarus is sick and dying, um, he doesn't go to check on him. He doesn't go visit him. In fact, he waits. He waits a few more days. And we read that um, another four days pass uh, between, by the time that uh, the Jesus even shows up. And so this is pretty strange because it's, it's kind of an odd way to treat a friend. And so lots of questions abound. Why did, Lazarus, why did Jesus take so long to visit Lazarus? Um, why did um, Jesus take so long to visit a family that he was really close to, that he loved very much? 
Uh, was it the fact that he was too far away? It doesn't seem like he was that far away. Uh, the text seems to imply that uh, Jesus could have got there earlier. So why the delay? Well, Jesus says, he says that the sickness will not end in death. He says, no, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. But how? We read that a lot of people showed up to comfort, comfort the family. But when word came that Jesus had arrived, who comes out to meet him? Well, Martha comes out. And uh, Martha comes out and Mary stays at home. Now, I love this part. Uh, because we, we get an echo of their personalities uh, that we encounter. Like you encounter Mary and Martha back in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 10. And if you know the story, you know that uh, Martha is, uh, is busy hustling and bustling. She's, she's preparing meals and everything. And uh, Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. And uh, Martha gets mad. She says, Jesus, you know, why don't you tell my sister Mary to help out? And, and she says, you know, Martha, you're worried about so many things. Look at Mary. She's doing the one thing needful. She's, she's listening to me, right? But in this situation, in this situation, the roles seem to be reversed. In the former situation, it looks like Mary's doing the right thing and Martha's getting it wrong. But here I wonder if it's the roles are reversed. Um, Martha, she's active. She's outgoing. She's social. And, and she's up and out the moment she hears that Jesus has arrived. And Mary, on the other hand, um, where is she? I mean, she stays at home. She doesn't come out even when, when Jesus arrives. Um, she's depressed. She's, she's kind of withdrawn. And you wonder sometimes, sometimes you wonder if this is a downside to, uh, to being a little more introverted or more into yourself. Like Martha, she's, like what she feels and what she thinks, that's what comes out. Anyhow, it's a good question to ask yourself. Are, are you more like uh, Martha or are you more like Mary? Well, Martha comes out and she basically gets into Jesus' face and, and, and she tells him of her honest disappointment. And she says to him, she goes, Lord, if you had been here, things would have worked out differently. My brother would not have died. And so she expresses her hurt. She also expresses a little bit of resentment, but a little, but actually quite a bit of faith because she says to Jesus, but even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give it to you. So what is she hoping for? I don't think she knows, but she knows that now that Jesus is on the scene, something could happen. And so what does Jesus say to Martha in light of Lazarus' death? I like what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't give her pat responses. She doesn't say, well, it's all okay. She doesn't say, you know, Martha, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> he doesn't say that. What does he say? He looks at Martha and he says, your brother will rise again. Your brother is going to rise to life again. And I love Martha's response. She says, I know, I know he's gonna rise. I know that there's gonna be a resurrection at the last day. And, uh, and no, we need to see this for what it is. These words are actually words of, of, of great faith. Um, because resurrection, your bodily coming back to life again, was the Jewish hope. The Pharisees believed it. The Sadducees didn't. But uh, the, most, if you're a good Jew, you, you, you believed in resurrection. That at, at the end of the age, God would resurrect um, people back to life. At the end of the ages, at the end of history. Now notice what Jesus does. Jesus, um, he doesn't negate this hope, but he deepens it. To Martha's good theology, 
Jesus essentially says to her, he goes, you know that resurrection that you're talking about that's going to take place in the end? Well, what you need to do is just move up your timeline. Move up your timeline because I'm it. I am the resurrection. I am that life. You know that last day that you're hoping for? Well, it's now. It's come now. It is dawned. I am the eschatos. I am the end, even as I am the beginning. And so resurrection, Jesus is saying, resurrection has a face. Resurrection has a name. And it's Jesus Christ. He is the resurrection and the life here and now. Okay, so what does Jesus mean by this? Does he mean that Martha would never die? No, she would die. Um, but it does mean this, that because Jesus is a resurrection and the life, her death would not be the end, but it would be the beginning. You catch that? Her death would not be the end, but it would be the beginning. Because Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life, it means death has lost its sting because death no longer has a final word. It is no longer the period. Death marks the beginning, beginning of eternal life. And then to underline his point, Jesus looks at uh, Martha and says, do you believe this? And it's a good question. Do you believe this? Do we believe this? And I love Martha's response. It's typical Martha, because Martha says, you know, I'm not sure about all that you just said, but I do believe, I do believe this, that you, I believe you, I believe who you are, right? Now, let's pause just for a moment, because Jesus says, I am the resurrection alive. He says, don't worry, Martha. Your brother's going to rise again. Now, it's easy to say things, right? It's easy to say, and you can say some pretty spectacular things. A lot of people can say a lot of things, but they don't necessarily mean very much. And Jesus' words might have seemed like an empty promise, except, except we know how the rest of the story plays out. Because we read in, in verse 27, it says, in verse 28, after uh, Martha had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary. The teacher is here and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had, um, who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached a place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He says, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once again deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, ever the practical one. The, <laughs> she says, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. And Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. 
The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off these grave clothes and let him go. See, we know the rest of the story. And because we know the rest of the story, we know that uh, you can take Jesus' words to the bank. In fact, in fact, where we're at, we're, we know the rest of the story. We know that the same Jesus who went to the cross and died on our behalf for our sins did not stay dead, but was raised to new life. He was resurrected to life. And so we live on the other side of history. And so when we hear Jesus say, I am the resurrection and the life, we can take his words to the bank. When you hear Jesus say, I'm the resurrection and the life, and you're afraid, maybe you're sick or you have a loved one who's sick and you're afraid of, of, of death and all those, you need to realize that because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, death does not have the final word. Now, I remember uh, this uh, in my own life, in my own experience, and this is one of the reasons why we wanted to come here, is my father-in-law, when he, when he passed away, I remember uh, visiting him when he had cancer, and I asked him, I said, are you afraid? How are you doing? And he says, I'm not afraid. He goes, I've never felt closer to Jesus. And uh, one of the things he kept saying um, to us, to the family, was uh, he kept saying, you know, if I die, he goes, the best is yet to come. In Christ alone, the best is yet to come. And that's why um, that was engraved uh, upon his gravestone. Because he knew, he knew that death did not have the final word. But the final word was Jesus Christ. And I think that's something that you and I need to hold on to in our own lives. And so let, let me point out one more thing, if I can. If I can find my notes. Sorry, Actually, before I do that, I was reminded, uh, my friend uh, Nick and I were talking about our favorite movies, and we were talking about Lord of the Rings. It's our favorite movie. It's our favorite book. Um, there's a scene in Lord of the Rings that is so good. It's at the very end. It's at the very end. And it's this climactic moment where um, Sam, uh, Sam and Frodo, they had gone to uh, uh, Mordor, they had gone to Mount Doom, and they had... Uh, put the ring into, the, um, into, into Mount Doom and it was destroyed and the enemy was defeated. But Sam and Frodo, in, in their minds, their, their mentor, their leader, um, Gandalf, had died. He had died in the mines of Moria. And when uh, Sam comes back from, uh, from Mount Doom, he wakes up and who does he see? He sees Gandalf and it says this. It says, uh, Sam sees Gandalf and he says, I thought you were dead. And Gandalf says, I thought I was dead myself. And then Sam asks an immensely important question. He says, is everything sad going to come untrue? Is everything sad going to come untrue? And I think that's the important point for us today, is that in Christ, because of Jesus' resurrection and life, everything sad will come untrue. And we, we need to hold on to this because this keeps us from discouragement. Because we know that the cancer we experience, the treatments, the suffering, all these things will one day be made untrue. Those who die in Christ will not stay dead, but have eternal life, receive a new body. And we know this because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And I think we need to walk away with this, that one day you and I will live forever in the presence of the one who is the resurrection and the life. Now let me just point out one last thing in this passage. 
When Jesus arrives at the tomb of Lazarus, it's interesting because he sees everybody crying, they're mourning. And Jesus gets deeply moved, says he's deeply troubled, deeply moved, even a bit of anger or just death and sadness in this world. And it says these, these poignant words, it says Jesus wept. Now we can't miss this because it reminds us that when someone dies, it's still sad. It's still sad. You still grieve because a person's going to be missed. Absolutely. There's a vacuum. And yes, Jesus is a resurrection of life. And yes, we can trust in him. But it's interesting. Jesus still enters into the grief of the people around. He's a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. And so why is this so important? Well, it means that Jesus gets us. He gets, he understands your suffering. He understands your sorrow. So that when you are grieving, you are not alone. But he will, he's not on some cloud with his eyes half closed, far, far away, but he will meet you. He gets suffering. He will meet you in your suffering. And so that means you and I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not be discouraged. We can walk and not be afraid because he is a resurrection in the life. He sticks closer than a brother. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We're no longer stuck in our sins, but we've been set free, gone from, from death to life. And I'll tell you, in our age today and with what's going on in our world, we need words of encouragement. And I don't, I'll tell you, they don't get more encouraging than this. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. Because of you, death has lost its sting. The grave has lost its victory. Because you are the resurrection and the life, we know that death does not have the final word. There's not a period at the end of our life. But actually, it's just the beginning of something that will go on for eternity, where we can see our loved ones again and where we can, we can walk with you and behold your face and, and live in your loving presence. Thank you for this gift to all those who put their faith in you. And Lord, there may be some today watching this um, who are longing for this. They're just longing for this. Lord, may they turn to you and say, yes, Jesus, I want you to be my resurrection, my life. I give my life to you. Hear their cry, I pray. Comfort those who are, who are suffering and who are grieving right now. And let us not be discouraged. Let us grieve, yes, but grieve with hope. In Jesus' name, amen.